I don't know what you think about when you think about things that are impossible. I mean, I'm pretty sure if we had showed that video to the founders of our nation or something like that, they'd be like, people are doing what? <laughs> but uh, I don't know what you think about. I, I, I have to be honest at this point, when I think about the word impossible, all I can think about is like impossible whoppers. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. Anybody know what an impossible whopper is? Thank you. Wow, the rest of you, what? Are you living under a rock? Wow. They're the, the meatless burgers that people, you know, so it's, it's actually trademarked, the, the word impossible for these, you know, not meat meats, which uh, I think is kind of impossible, and I don't really want to know how or try. I'm really happy with the regular burger, but uh, anyway, I don't know what you would think of in your life as impossible, um, but maybe you could think in spiritual terms about what you would think just couldn't happen. And actually something that you would wish for and, and pray for, but if you're honest, right, you would say that's probably impossible. I think we can just think about our valley here, and there are things that we would pray and hope for for the sake of the gospel, but if we were honest in our hearts, we would say that that, that could happen in my lifetime seems almost impossible. Maybe you have a family member or friend that is far from the Lord, and you're, you're deeply burdened for them, but if you were honest, you would say, there's a part of me that thinks them coming back to the Lord seems impossible. Yeah, <laughs> Carmen made the communion bread this morning. Um, we have a few uh, ladies in our church who help make the communion bread at different times, but we actually tried it twice with Carmen, and um, it didn't go well, did it? I got like these Saturday night texts of like, bread failed again, please help, sort of thing. And so uh, last night I got a text. Let me see if I can find it, Carmen. She sent me a picture of the communion bread all cut up and ready to go for a day. And it said, here, there's the picture. And it said, uh, no supervision necessary. That was with a laughing. There was a day that, is, and Carmen is a phenomenal baker. She was like, that's never going to happen. But now she's giving me tips on it. So, um, I don't know what you would say, this feels impossible. But, but when we talk about evident faith, which we'll talk about today, we actually ought to pursue things in faith that seem impossible. And that's not outlandish. I think if you just listen to Jesus talk, he would say, if you follow me in faith, like there are things that can be done that you haven't even imagined. There are things... I should say it differently. There are things that God can do that you haven't even imagined. So what is it in your life that you say that could never, that could never happen? Evident faith. We're working through some of our core values together, and uh, we spent a few weeks on fervent prayer, and now we're talking about evident or obvious, undeniable faith. Kevin read one of our core values. This is one that we're working on now. We're willing to be risk-taking, sacrificial, and in the eyes of the world, apparently illogical people because we know that the just shall live by faith. We want to obey God regardless of the cost. By the way, it's interesting in the story of Abraham. It's kind of a bookended story, right? When we meet Abraham, the first story about Abraham, he's doing what? God tells him to do what? Go, move across the world to a place I'll show you. Right? That's kind of the introductory story to Abraham. And then this week we'll talk about the story that's at the heart of Abraham's life, why God calls him a man of faith. But then the story is actually bookended. What's, the, what's kind of the last story we see in Abraham's life? 
After his son is born, God asks him to do what? Sacrifice him. We'll talk about that next week. But we go from a place where God calls him to follow in something that just doesn't seem to make sense to a place where God calls him to follow where the cost is too high. And in the middle is the story that we'll look at this week. But we want to obey God regardless of the cost, and even if we don't know all the details. Abraham certainly didn't. We refuse to dig our roots into what is passing away. So here's what Romans 4 says about Abraham. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Is that hard for us to believe? I mean, even when we read the story of Abraham, aren't there moments where we, where we think he, it seems like his faith is wavering? Right? I mean, I mean, there's a moment when Sarah laughs at what God says. In fact, she ends up calling her son Isaac because of her laughter. Right? There are times when Abraham doesn't understand how it's going to all work out, but God actually says he was fully believing God's promise. That's encouraging to me. Because sometimes as I'm following God, like, I feel like I'm, not, I'm kind of walking in the dark a little bit. And God says, if you're holding on to what I told you, you're believing In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So what does evident faith rest upon? Two things about God that evident faith rests on. Okay, he believed what God said, right? God's word. What was the other? What? God is able, so it rested on God's word and God's ability. So Abraham's faith rests on the fact that God was able to do what he said. Isn't that where even our belief for eternal life rests? God has said that if you want to have eternal life, what must you do? Blank and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So our belief is God said it. My, my faith rests on that, but it's not just that God said it, it's that he's actually able to follow through. You ever had somebody make you a promise and you're like, I hope that happens, but I'm not sure they can follow through on that? It's not like that with God. So, so faith is God said it, and I believe it because I, I know he can follow through. And God's track record is impeccable, right? He always follows through on his promise. Let me show you one of these. Go to John 15. This one's really personal for me. But as you're reading God's word, you should be finding things that God says that you clamp onto and say, God said it, I believe it, he can follow through. John chapter 15. So when I was a junior in high school, I wanted to be a doctor. Do you know why? Yes, correct. Doctors make a lot of money, at least that was how I perceived it. I didn't know you could be a hedge fund manager and do a lot better. Had I known that, I probably wanted to be a hedge fund manager. And if I'd known that that worked with math, I really wouldn't want to be a hedge fund manager. But I wasn't that smart at 16. I wanted to be a doctor. And the reason was, in my pride, I thought I could do anything. And that one would be the most profitable. That was was my exact calculus, right? The funny thing is, I'm queasy around blood and needles. So I don't really know what I was thinking, um, I have no idea. I was just, I was 16. What were any of us thinking at 16, right? Um, so yeah, not too much. My, I have three brothers. My mom used to say that when, when a boy turns 12 or 13, somewhere in there, someone sneaks in the middle of the night and sucks out their brains. And, uh, that was my mom's experience is probably true. So I went on a mission trip, uh, to Phoenix, Arizona, 
and had the opportunity to preach. And God used that experience in my life to go, Matt, this is what I've designed you to do. Interestingly, in God's perfect providence, the next day my youth pastor said, in your morning time with the Lord, I want you to read John 15. And so I was wrestling with all those feelings and thoughts and, and, and sensing that that's what God wanted to do with my life. And by the way, when you're wrestling with senses and thoughts and maybe this is what God is doing, go to his word. And so we read John 15, and here's the verse I read in John 15, verse 16. And it was like God took these words right off the page for me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Do you know what God did in my heart in that moment? He said, this is a promise from my word for you. And, and to the best of my ability, and certainly very flawed and very broken, that verse has been a, a promise that I have clinged to as I follow God. He said it. I believe he's able to do it. And I'll tell you, there are lots of days in any path that you follow God that feel like the fruit is not lasting and, you, and, and it feels like failure or it feels like it, you've totally messed it up. But my heart and my, I keep going back to that verse and going, God, I know you chose me for this and that you will make it work. That's what faith does. And so that meant for me, the evidence of that was reorder your life. Get off the doctor train which was God's grace in my life because I would have bombed out of that train anyway. They've been like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I passed bio. And they're like, yeah, but you'd be a terrible doctor. And any of you who know me know I would be a terrible doctor. Um, but it meant like real action change. That's what evident faith is. Evident faith is we read God's word. He shows us his truth. We believe in his ability and we live differently. So go to Genesis chapter 15. Evident faith. So last week we saw Abraham traveling across the world. And that story in Genesis chapter 12 teaches us something about faith. We need to learn to exercise our faith when it doesn't make sense. When we don't have all the details, when someone in the outside world will look in and say, why are you doing that? I've told you before, I think I grew up in a baseball family. And that was kind of, especially through the summer, that was the heartbeat of what our family did. But my parents did a great job letting us know from day one that our lives weren't about baseball. That our lives were about following God and living by faith. And so we would regularly have Wednesday night baseball games. And that was when our youth group met, like our youth group is starting to meet now here at Gospel Hope. And so we knew from the time I was probably seven or eight years old, that we would get to play, that the clock was ticking from the first pitch. And we knew that there was a time coming when, when an inning was going to break, and we were always like, are we going to get to play another half inning or not? Right? An inning was going to break, and Dad was going to be like, all right, here we go. And the Parker boys were going to get up, we are going to load in the car, we were going to change in the car on the way to church to go to youth group on Wednesday night. But what my parents doing that made a powerful impression, and I guarantee you, that there were families sitting around the ballpark going, what are they doing? 
I mean, I was an okay baseball player. My brother was very good. He, the team leaned on him. But we were gone. Are there things that we're doing in our life that a world that doesn't know God would look at and say, that doesn't make sense? No person living under the financial strain that that family is living under would give away money. But, but isn't that what someone with evident faith does? They give whether it's $2 or $2,000. Well, well, no one with that, you know, who had those skills would give up that job. When we were in Iowa, we were meeting with the president of the college, Jim Tillotson, and Jim was telling us about church planting in Canada, and I, I talked to you about this a little bit last week, but he was telling a story about a guy in his church. And he said this man in his church was just faithful in reaching his coworkers. And so over time, they actually saw a number of people at this man's job Come visit, hear the gospel, trust Christ. And so they were seeing him evangelize in his workplace and, and seeing his workplace changed. And one day he came to the pastor and he goes, Pastor, I got to get a new job. And Jim said, why do, you, why do you have to get a new job? God's used you at that job. He goes, well, everyone at my job has either heard the gospel and come to Christ or heard the gospel and said they weren't coming to Christ, so I need to find a new job. Why, that's a whole different way of looking at things, isn't it? That's evident faith, and, and, and people in the world would go, why are you changing jobs? Well, because this is what I need to do to follow God faithfully. Like, this should be happening. If you said to Abraham, why are you here? He would go, oh, because God told me to move across the world. I lived in a county in Indiana where nobody moved ever. If you moved across county lines, they were like, why did you do that? Our family has always lived in this town. And I'm talking like 10 minutes away because the house prices were better. The houses were a little nicer. So like a young family would go, I'm going to move. And people would be like, what are you doing? You can't move into, you know, from Fayette County to Wayne County. None of our family lives in Wayne County. But think about the world Abraham lived in. You want to talk about not moving? Cross the world. Some of you have done that just to be here. And your family's like head scratcher, right? And they're still like, yeah, those are the crazy sons, daughters, nieces, nephews, grandkids. But, but this should be a part of our life where God, we're, we're reading God's word. He's directing us. He's leading us. And we're going, this is what I need to do. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Great. That's what faith is. Faith is not doing the things that make sense. It's doing the things that don't always make sense. And so we ask this question, is your faith obvious? I was thinking last night we could ask that question, is your faith crazy? I mean, would somebody from the outside who doesn't understand what it means to follow Jesus go, it's a little nuts what they do. I mean, listen, the Brooks should never have done what they did from a human perspective. Do you all understand that? I mean, all of the relationships, all, everything that the Brooks had is in South Carolina or was in South Carolina, true? Family, friends, 25 years of being at a church and the opportunity to finish out and ride off into the sunset. And somebody, you know, Will Galkin asked him a question and said, would you consider? And Danny was like, consider? I mean, I guess I can't be a pastor and say I won't pray about that. So I guess I'll pray about that. And God just put his finger on their life and said, that is what I want you to do. And it meant doing what Abraham did and just going across the country. I remember following their trek as they went state to state, each picture. That's what evident faith looks like. And that's not to make champions of the brooks. They don't want to be that. You know, Kristen's, Kristen's cringing in the back. 
But, but I want to ask on a smaller scale, what, what is God working in your heart to do that doesn't fully make sense? Because that's what faith looks like. Genesis chapter 15, God had already told Abraham in chapter 12 that he would make a great nation. But look at chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, here's God's word, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham doesn't say thank you, he's confused. By the way, you can be confused and believing. It's good to know, confused a lot. But Abraham said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? How are you going to make me a great nation? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So Abraham had a key servant who he said, I guess this guy must be the heir of my house. God goes on. The word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Why was that so hard for Abraham to believe? Abram at this point. Because he was old. This is not the normal way of people. You have children when you're young. You have a certain window. Right? My wife is counting that window. <laughs> Some of you ladies have been in that same place. You're like, I have a window. And Abraham was like, our window is closed. It seems what? Impossible. It seems like it could never happen. And so what does Abraham try to do? Abraham and Sarah, chapter 16, they concoct a plan, don't they? And they say, well, maybe God wants, maybe what God's meaning is that he wants us to have a son that's ours, but maybe it's not, it's not Abraham and Sarah. Maybe it's not the husband and the wife. Maybe it's the husband and her most faithful servant. And this was a cultural thing. It seems very strange to us, a little bit like the seven, you know, husbands and wives story this morning. It seems a little bit crazy to us. But, but culturally, this would have been an acceptable way to have a child and make that child your heir. And so, they try to figure it out. Was that a good solution or a bad solution? It was a bad solution. I mean, Abraham's first question, well, maybe this guy is going to be my heir, was kind of the human. Th this one, we could argue, was a sinful solution. And, and honestly, it makes a like worldwide, multi-generational, by that I mean lots and lots and lots of generations, mess. But I want to take you back to Romans 4. And I find it compelling in Genesis 16 that God doesn't call Abraham on the carpet for this. Abraham and Sarah, in their life of evident faith, kind of make a mess. And can I just encourage you? Don't let your faith be dictated by the results. Following God by faith is going to mean you end up at a lot of dead ends and wrong turns. See, sometimes we think, well, if my faith is right, then all the rest of the results will be right. Can I just tell you, don't wait till you have it all figured out? Now, Abraham and Sarah landed at a bad solution. But can I promise you, if you follow God in faith, you're not always going to step into all the right places. Like, how many of you have ever ended up in a church and, and gone there by faith and said, this is where God wants me, and then at some point you're like, uh-oh. Does that mean you weren't walking by faith in that process? I mean, I look back at moving across the country and some of the jobs God brought me through and some of the church situations that God brought me through, and I'm like, man, that was some wrong turns and some dead ends. 
Faith is about believing God's promise, not obsessing about the process. I want to say that again. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can keep following God by faith because it hasn't always worked out the way I'd hoped. And you know what we learn from the life of Abraham? The man, God says, this is the example of faith, is that the process is very imperfect. Do you know why the process is imperfect? Because of us. But don't let that stop you from following God by faith. Just go, oops, that was a dead end. Oh, (laughs) wrong turn. I mean, when you're driving, how many of you make a wrong turn and say, oh, well, I'm just going to go home? (laughs) Ian does. He's like, oh, well. (laughs) Back to Murray I go. (laughs) Midvale. (laughs) Sometimes we do that as Christians. Can I promise you this? If you walk by faith and try to help someone else grow, you're not going to walk out of every discipleship meeting, every time with them going, that was a home run? You're like, oh, that, that was a bomb. Especially early on. Like, this is early in Abram's story. And he keeps making wrong turns along the way, doesn't he? So, so don't get discouraged in the process. Keep your eyes on the promise. Keep your eyes on the truth. Like Jesus said what? I will build my, I'd say period, but there's more than that. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it, period. Okay, how, how much of a straight line trajectory has that been over the course of history? I mean, just go study the church in like the 1500s. In the time of Martin Luther and then and the gospel's coming back on the scene. And you know what happens? It like fractures into a hundred pieces. Well, I'm going to be Baptist, I'm going to be Presbyterian, and I'm going to be Anabaptist. There are those people too. I'm going to be, you say, was God building his church? Did the promise fail? The promise never failed. So evident faith holds on to the promise, but it doesn't obsess over the process. And so God keeps making this promise. Go to chapter 17. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. Do you notice that's clarifying, actually? Right? Like, go back to chapter 15. What did God say to Abraham in chapter 15, verse 4? This man shall be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. The, the son that Abraham and Sarai had by Hagar was that Abraham's very own son? By definition, it was. When you go to follow the promises of God, your picture will keep clarifying. But when you first start, it may not be fully clear. So now God clarifies for Abraham and Sarah in chapter 17. And he says, you will have a son by her. That statement, does that make God's promise less or more impossible? I mean, if it's impossible, by definition, it can't become more impossible. But, but it, it kind of makes it more impossible. And so God makes the promise again. He repeats it. Aren't you thankful that God is kind to tell you things again and again? And how many times does the Bible tell us, don't be afraid, don't get discouraged? Because God is with you. How many of you as a parent have said, I should only have to tell you once? I have. 
Timothy, I don't want to have to tell you again. If I have to tell you again, you're going to be in trouble. Imagine if God treated us that way. <laughs> I told you once. Didn't you read that book of the Bible once before? You didn't get it all? God is kind as in our journey of faith to just keep repeating to us, to keep, repeat, to keep clarifying for us, to keep teaching us again. And so we can like, so we're holding on to his word. And what does Romans 4 say? Abraham did what in his faith? He grew strong. So God just keeps affirming to him. So faith just keeps reading the truth and grabbing it and learning it and grabbing it some more and hearing it again and making a wrong turn and getting back on the track. And so God makes the promise again. He sends messengers to affirm the promise and Sarah laughs at them. Chapter 18. But what finally happens in chapter 21? The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. God fulfilled his promise. He always does. You say, but I'm not sure if, if, if he's going to follow through on something. He is. He always does. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. By the way, God shows up and says to Abraham, you're going to have a son and you're going to have him next year this time. So it keeps getting clearer. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old. You could just read there, too old, when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah, with her sense of humor, said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. I have born a son, verse 7, in his old age. Do you know why our faith can be evident? It's because we can totally trust that God will finish what he started. That he'll fulfill what he's promised. So you know what that leaves us? We need to get in God's word and say, God, what have you promised? What can I hold on to? No matter how long it takes, no matter how dead ends and wrong turns are in the journey, I'm just going to trust you and keep on following. Not because the results always work out, but because I know you always keep your promises. You think Abraham and Sarah ever sat around and said, this is unbelievable. And then you think they ever look back and go, what a mess we made. And how faithful God was. So I have a really simple question for you this morning. Two questions. The first is this. What promises are you holding on to that God has made? Even if they seem impossible. Is your faith big? And by that I don't mean is it super strong? I mean, are you trusting God for big things because you serve a big God? in your family, in our church, in the community, at your workplace? Like, how cool would it be to be in a place where that guy was that I told you a story about? Where you're just looking around your workplace and going, God, I don't know who else I would talk to here because you've opened doors and I've talked. Like, you, 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 you've reached your neighborhood and you're like, I think I might need a new neighborhood. You say, that's crazy. Yeah. That's impossible. Yeah. That's the God we serve. 
I don't know what those things are for you. I don't know what relationship situation you're in that you think is beyond repair. I don't know what neighbor you think won't, probably won't talk to you again. I don't know what dream you have as you read God's word and as you follow God and as you claim his promises. I don't know what those things are. But can I encourage us that evident faith looks like it doesn't have to make sense and it can seem impossible. Yeah, let, let's pray there. Let's seek God there. Let's ask him to show us his promises and his words so we can go, yes, God, you are powerful and you are able. That's evident faith. Lord, thank you for the story of Abraham. Thank you for how transparent it is about his ups and downs. If we were to read all these chapters today, we would just see all kinds of good stuff and bad stuff all mixed together. And thank you that it encourages us to read your word and claim your promises and follow you by faith. Lord, sometimes we're, we're tempted to pray pretty small, to dream pretty small, to hope as if you're not very able, but you are. You're able to save, you're able to heal, you're able to work in powerful ways that will just show us all who you are and that none of this is because of us. Thank you for the story of Abraham and how it reminds us of those truths. In Christ's name we pray, amen.